Welcome to a CoinGeek Conversation special. Over the last few years, venture capital has become an established part of the world of Bitcoin SV entrepreneurship. This week, we're taking a look at some of the most interesting contributions about venture capital from previous episodes of the series. We'll be hearing from Craig Massey and Osman Callis from the London BSV incubator Satoshi Block Dojo and from Bemi Akande, co-founder and managing partner of Pacer Ventures. But first up, here's Paul Rashgod, Managing Director of Private Equity at Air Ventures. Paul stresses that there's a lot more to venture capital investment in a promising new startup than simply handing over a check. Here's how he explained what he does in his job. I've had this role for almost three years now. Um, in that role, I basically run the venture arm of Calvin's family office. Calvin Air. Um, Calvin Air's family office, absolutely. And I report to an investment committee that reviews our investment proposals and um, that helps us with our due diligence. And then ultimately, they make, a re- they make the recommendation, yay or nay, to uh, make an investment into a company. And once we do that, that's, that's just the beginning. That's far from the end. We don't just hand over the money and that's the end of it, where we typically get involved as either a board member or a... Um, observer on the board. We have frequent meetings with the company. We make lots of introductions to the companies, which is one of the things that VCs are, are, are meant to be used for. It's not just a blank check. It's also, let us put you together with these companies. We can help. Um, you may know the company without us, but we can help you know, grease the wheels. We can help with further introductions. We can help make things happen. Frequent meetings with the companies we invest in to see how they're doing, to give advice, to make introductions. So it's, it ends up being um, quite a role um, besides just investing. Well, let's just, let's just go to the beginning of that sure. process where you are actually making contact with startup companies for the first time. I mean, is it normally you hearing about a company and approaching them, or do you have people knocking on your door? And what stage of development is the typical company that comes to you? Yeah, good questions. It's, it's really all over, uh, it's all over the spectrum with all those questions. So, for example... I would say most of the number of companies that we look at are inbound, and they come in through um, the venture section of CoinGeek or from our website, uh, air.group, so we have a lot of inbound, and we look at everything because you just never know. I'll give an example without naming a name, but one of the companies that's in um, the BSV sphere that we invested in and is, is doing very, very well came in through a LinkedIn connection of all things. Like Literally, they wrote to us on LinkedIn. It got passed to me. I looked into them thinking, hey, you never know. And it's worked out very, very well for BSV, uh, for their customers. And as an investment, I think we're up 6 or 7x, uh, believe it or not. Amazing. If you're interested to get in touch with Paul, you can shoot him a message on LinkedIn or CoinGeek's Venture section or the Air Group website. Next up is Craig Massey, CEO and founder of Satoshi Block Dojo. Craig is no rookie when it comes to investing in startups. In this next clip, he talks about how both investors and startups profit and benefit from the entire process. As an incubator, Dojo supports startups and invites investors to take them to the next stage at the end of the Dojo program. But in addition, investors can back Dojo itself as a business and that way take stake in all the startups that it works with. We're raising £2 million in our business, which is the Satoshi Block Dojo. And as part of that, so that £2 million, they get 30% equity in the business. But that also entitles them to 3% ownership in every single one of 250 startups throughout the kind of the five years. So that's one half of it. But what we do for our startups 
is significantly different than anybody else out there. And I know the world of pain, <laughs> let me assure you, though, you know, this is my eighth startup and I know the slog entailed. And most startups, they tend to, in my belief, kind of end up wasting about 60% of their time doing important but kind of annoying stuff. And you can kind of split it into kind of three buckets, really. So number one is all the necessary kind of admin, whether it's legals, HMRC, HR, recruitment, all that kind of the, the admin type stuff, which we will do for them. We take care of all that hassle so they never have to lift a finger with any of that nonsense. We do all the bookkeeping, et cetera. Then there's um, fundraising. So not only are we putting £10,000 in, but we've got a fantastic, enormous kind of group of business angels. So over my eight companies, I've got a personal uh, uh, network of about 350. James Marchant, who's our investment director, he has upwards of 800 plus a load of VCs. So the idea being is the UK government gives very generous tax allowances to um, essentially business angel investors. Um, and you're allowed to invest up to £150,000 into startups in the UK, and the government will protect you to the tune of 75%. But here's the kicker. If that then goes and sells over three years, then you pay zero capital gains tax. So it is an incredible regime that I've used for every one of my companies, well, recent ones, and I'm tapping, I'm utilizing that for my investors. So is, that's where the magic figure of 140,000 comes Correct. So the 10 plus the 140, that then gives them um, a, a year's runway. And then we have milestones and check-ins with them all the time because the, the big game in town is, is raising their seed round for them. And that's what we're very good at doing. So we'll go out and get them the one and a half to two million. So they then fly the coop after maybe 15 months, and they've got at least 12 months of runway in terms of funding. So it, it, most companies go bust, usually about 9% in the first couple of years. We, we're giving them three years of life, and then hopefully they can kind of take off. Brilliant work there, Craig. Next, another take on Satoshi Block Dojo, this time from its chief operating officer, Osman Callis. She spoke to Charles Miller about what took place in the program for Dojo's first cohort of startups and made some interesting observations about the participants. So, Osman, how has it all been going? What's the story of the first cohort so far? Incredible, Charles. We welcomed eight companies into our cohort. They came in with ideas that were uh, well-formed in some areas, others that needed a little bit of work, but that had amazing potential with uh, fantastic founding teams. We put them through a rigorous bootcamp progress, uh, pro, uh, process, three days um, of refining, of challenging. At the end of it, they will have minted some tokens and have started writing data to the chain. And then they'll be able to track that data using what's on chain. So it sounds like you don't have to be um, extremely technically um, knowledgeable in order to qualify to take part in Block Dojo. That's right. So what we look for are sound business ideas. And we ask for at least one team member to join us for the entire 12 weeks. The programme is sort of, uh, I guess, could be partitioned roughly into sort of three 
uh, areas of activity. The first is all about problem validation and looking at the commercial viability of the idea or the project that they've, they've come in with. The sort of second portion is all about the technicals. They do overlap somewhat. Um, and then the third part is getting them ready to pitch to our network of investors. So because we have such a sort of a varied uh, sort of set of, of types of content, um, it's designed for anyone within the team to be able to consume. However, we do recommend for the technical portions that they do somehow uh, sort of loop in their, their technical people, but it, it certainly uh, wouldn't be a, a barrier to their progress. Okay, so on the non-technical side of things, how what have the group dynamics been like? Have there, have there been any fist fights or anything so far between rival teams? <laughs> no, quite the opposite, actually. It's the way we like to sort of... Uh, I guess, structure the environment is to uh, encourage teams to treat the other teams as an extension of their own sort of team, if you like. And what we found is that they've been sharing ideas. Uh, One team has actually offered an opportunity to another team that they just didn't have the ability to work on. Um, So it's a very sort of productive environment. What a great opportunity for all participants. And the last, but definitely not the least, is Bemi Akande. His company, Pacer Ventures, supports tech companies in Africa. What's interesting here, Bemi tells Charles, is that many parts of Africa are already keen about the adoption of blockchain technology. So Pacer Ventures, uh, we launched a fund uh, a little while ago. Uh, The fund is focused on investing at the pre-seed and seed stage in African businesses. Uh, we are not specifically uh, investing only in blockchain businesses. However, we've taken a lot of interest in blockchain businesses over the past few months uh, because of the growing opportunity that we see there and the fact that uh, we think it's still nascent and there's a lot more to be achieved in Africa. So we are very interested in blockchain businesses. And looking at it at a sort of global level, if you wanted to invest in a blockchain business, are there particular advantages in finding those opportunities in Africa rather than other parts of the world? Yes, I do believe so. Um, For a few reasons. I I, I believe uh, blockchain, because of its nature, uh, it's a a ripe technology for Africa. Africa has been known to leapfrog the rest of the world in different ways, uh, moving faster at 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 a quicker pace than the rest of the world in adoption of certain new technologies. Uh, so that's one reason. Second reason is the growing population of technical talent on the continent. Uh, more than 75% of the continent are under the age of 35. Many of them are going into tech. And uh, blockchain is one of the technologies that they're looking into quite specifically right now. Um, so for these reasons, we believe that um, Africa is a good place to explore what blockchain can do in solving societal problems and business problems, uh, hence our focus there. I guess perhaps also having a young population and young decision makers uh, might help in that people are not so skeptical about this new technology. Absolutely. And even governments are catching on right now to, um, to understand the technology themselves, to develop policies around the technology, uh, which has also helped the market to grow faster. But even more so, um, the technical talents are driving adoption. They are curious about it. And hence, the skepticism is lower than it used to be. 
or even lower than the rest of the world most times. Within this community, there's a lot of use of the phrase banking the unbanked. Yeah. Now, how much importance would you attach to that side of what blockchain might offer to Africa? Absolutely. Um, there's the whole idea of financial inclusion. There's, there's a large population of Africans that are not even within the financial system or the banking system, rather. And um, because of that, we think blockchain as an alternative to the traditional um, financial model or business model will uh, create a way for the uh, unt- people that until now have not been part of the banking system to come on board, use cryptocurrencies, explore ways in which they can transact uh, peer-to-peer payments, remittances, and so on and so forth. So, yes, um, blockchain will play a huge part in banking the unbanked. Interesting insight there on Africa. So there we have it, some of the VCs we've heard from recently on CoinGee Conversations. We hope you gained some valuable information from watching this episode. Tune in again next week as we put the spotlight on four BSV companies focused on ESG initiatives. Have a great week. I'll see you then.